0: Let us be attentive. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our fathers, for you are just in all you have learned.
1: Wisdom. The
0: reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians. Let us be
1: attentive.
0: Brethren, When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. In these you once walked when you lived in them, But now put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and foul talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old nature with its practices and have put on the new nature, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there cannot be Greek and Jew Circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free man, but Christ is all and in all peace be to you the reader. arise let us hear the holy gospel. Peace be with, God. And with your spirit.
1: The reading is from the holy gospel according to Luke.
0: Let us be attentive.
1: said this parable. A man once gave a great banquet and invited many, and at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for all is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I go out and see it. I pray you have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I must go to examine them. I pray you have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported this to his master. Then the householder in anger said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and maimed and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet for many are called but few are chosen In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Throughout the year, we get invited to many different things. It can be weddings, baptisms, birthday parties, graduations. And it seems like during this time of year, there's a flurry of invitations. Family functions, work parties church activities, activities through sports and extracurricular things, and it seems like our busy lives are drawn away into even busier things. And in today's gospel, we hear about an invitation that a man sends. And in the ancient Near East, the way that things worked is when you sent an invitation, it was to specific chosen people. It wasn't sent out to a group and then you RSVP'd and then whomever came, came. It was sent to specific people and those people were expected to come. It was sent out with plenty of notice so that when they got it, they could adjust their calendars, they could adjust their schedules, whatever they had going on so that they could attend. And yet in today's gospel, when the time came and the man said, all is now ready, what happened? The three came together and the way that the Greek is, it's almost as if they kind of planned this. And they come together with three very lame excuses. One, I have a field that I bought and I must go see it. Like, he or she had never seen the field before they bought it. The second one says, I bought five oxen and I must go tend to them. Well, if you have five oxen, you probably either have somebody who's taking care of them or you have somebody where you've taken care of them so that you can go to whatever the activity is. And the third one says, I'm married. And he doesn't even ask to be excused. He just says, I'm not coming. So the ultimate disrespect to the man, the man who hosts the party. So what does the man do? He goes and he says, go out and get all of those maimed and crippled and blind and lame and bring them. And even then, there's still room. So he says, go out and seek in the hedges and on the highways. This must be filled. What we have here, brothers and sisters, is the story of God's plan of salvation. The man is God. His servant is Christ. And the message that went out was to the Jewish people. And the Jewish leaders rejected that. Not the Jewish people, the leaders. So what did God do? He turned to those people who the Jewish leaders felt were outcasts and he went out and he welcomed them, he brought them in. Those who were outsiders became insiders, and the insiders became outsiders. But God didn't stop there. He also went out and welcomed in all of the Gentiles. The parables of Christ are timeless, and those parables apply not just to that time but to our time and to future times. And the banquet that Christ, that God initiated at that time was the heavenly banquet, the church and the liturgy, which we celebrate right here. Christ in his incarnation began God's saving plan for us, and it was fulfilled when he was on the cross and then rose from the dead. And that was when the church and the liturgy all of a sudden became the reality. The reality that we are living until we finally, in Christ's second coming, enter into the messianic banquet where we share his love and his joy. This welcome into this new beginning is also a new way of life. And it's something that Christ asks of us He doesn't demand it. He comes to us and doesn't force anything upon us. But he asks us to walk in this new way of life, as we heard in Paul's epistle. And a new way of life means a new way of doing things that is not the way of the world. So let's look at our lives and let's see how we're doing. How much time do we spend on our phones? How much time do we spend in front of the computer? How much time do we spend in idle conversation? Let's contrast that with how often and how much time do we spend with the Holy Scriptures? How much time do we spend reading and studying the lives of the saints? How much time do we spend opening up the books to understand the services and the sacraments? What is our excuse for not doing that? All of the activities that we have in our life, carrying our kids to hockey, to baseball, to basketball, travel teams, travel practices, choir, plays, other activities which seem to escalate this time, during this time of the year. So look on the other side. How much time do we spend <coughs> sitting down with our children in going over the lives of the saints, going over the sacraments, going over what it means to living a pure, chaste, and holy life, to making good decisions, and not just going along with the ways of the world and the things that the world is saying. What is our excuse for not doing those things? Or what is our excuse for spending as much time (coughs) as we do in those other worldly activities? our treasures, how much time do we spend sitting down, analyzing our finances, paying our bills, looking at our stocks, our IRAs, our 401ks, worrying if we have enough money to be able to do such and such. On the other hand, why is it that every year we have to stand and have a stewardship campaign? Why do we have to say that we need to give our money for the church? How nice it would be if we never had to do that, but everybody filled out their pledge card and came willingly with their resources to support the church and its ministries. Again, what excuses do we have for not doing those things. Lastly, when we look at our lives and the way in which we walk and carry ourselves in our lives, does our speech fit with what Christ wanted us to speak and how he wanted us to go about our lives? Do our friends, our family, our workers see us differently and say that there's something about us that is different than the world and wanting to understand why it's different? Do we speak truth or do we worry that we're going to be criticized for doing so? Do we speak up for the unborn, those who have no choice? Do we look at the elderly And do we support them? What does our life show to the world? Is it immoral or is it moral? What excuses do we have for not following the commandments of God and the teachings that He's given us? I think when we look at all of this and we look at our excuses, we have no excuse before God. We all know that we are wrong. We all know that we have wasted our time. We all know that in many ways we've deviated off of all sorts of different paths. But the beauty of our God is that He is merciful. And all that He requires of us is that we repent and that we change our ways and move towards him. For after all in life, we aren't static. We're going one way or the other with our decisions, with our priorities, with our choices. We're either moving closer to God or we're moving farther from him. We're not staying in one place. And the priorities that we have, if we're only concentrating on those things that are earthly then in the end, we will have nothing. This is a beautiful time. It's a time of great reflection. It's a time of joy when you look at the lights, when you listen to the carols, when you look at people's faces and the smiles on them, the exchange of gifts. And it's something that we all must take in, not just get caught up in the busyness of it, but we need to stop. We need to take a, take a moment. We need to be in the present. And we need to stop and listen and look at God. And we need to look at him and say, what in my life do I need to change? How do I need to alter my life and my priorities so that I can move towards him and grow in his love. He has given us everything. He has given us the opportunity to forever be in eternal communion with him. But ultimately, it's our choice as to whether we do that or not, and it's our excuses that will keep us away from him. Glory be to God in all things.